Hey, it's Sean Fennessy, one of the hosts of the Prestige TV podcast. HBO's Barry is back for a fourth and final season. And that means I'll be back recapping the show with co-creator and star Bill Hader to dive deep on the themes, scenes, and major moments in the series. Bill will provide insight into how every episode was made and why it's ending. New Prestige TV Barry recaps will go live every Sunday night when the episode ends. So make sure you're subscribed to the Prestige TV podcast wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by the new season of Love Island USA only on Peacock. We got a text. On June 11th, the one and the only Ariana Maddox is hosting a new season of Love Island USA on Peacock. With a new villa, new bombshells, and drama on the daily, this is summer appointment viewing at its finest. Oh, and of course, Scottish sweetie Ian Sterling is on the mic to narrate every moment of the fun. Love Island USA starts Tuesday, June 11th at 9 p.m. Eastern with new episodes six days a week exclusively on Peacock. Visit PeacockTV.com to learn more. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX is Clipped, now streaming only on Hulu. Hey everyone, welcome back to What About Your Friends, a podcast dedicated to the many lives of friendship and its portrayal in pop culture. Steven. Hey, it's popping. How's your heart today? Um, how's my heart today? My heart is uh, calm. Hmm. Just trying to stay calm and be chill and relax and be prepared. Um, how's your heart? My heart is, what? how can I describe it? I don't know if my heart is tired, but I'm tired. Hmm. You know, it's just, it's just like one of those, like, is it Friday yet type of tired. You know what I mean? It's not that deep, right, right. but it's deep enough where you feel it. Uh, so thanks to our listener, Ellie, for nudging us on exploring platonic friendships between women and men sooner than later. So since that question, I've been thinking about how friendships between men and women are portrayed in pop culture. And one of the first mainstream portrayals that I can remember is in When Harry Met Sally. Because it raises the question that's at the core of the conversation, which is, can men and women be friends? Before we get into it, here's a quick synopsis via like IMDb. Harry and Sally have known each other for years and are very good friends, but they fear sex would ruin their friendship. And I personally will add that most importantly, they fall in love with each other despite their quote unquote fears. But rewatching it, how do you feel about when Harry met Sally? Uh, it was toxic, to be honest. <laughs> they were and in a toxic... toxic uh, word comes out in our, nah, it's true that, our conversations you know, all the time. You know what? I seen what they was trying to do. They was trying to make a movie that didn't feel like you couldn't predict it, you know? Because hmm. at that time, it was easily predictable, like in like, you know, those type of films. It's like you hate the person, then you grow to love the person, and eventually they get together. I think from from this perspective, you've seen them grow to love each other. Hmm. I just think how they got there was a little toxic, to be honest. Right. Mm. I can see that. Their friendship to me wasn't like friends to lovers. It was like frenemies to lovers. Like it, was, it, it was wasn't platonic. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't platonic uh, because I think that Harry always had some feelings for Sally. And it kind of came out kind of like not passive aggressive, but a little bit like childish, you know, like it's interesting that this set the president of movies about friendships 
between men and women because it wasn't truly platonic. Like it certainly didn't lead or end as a platonic friendship. Right. What do you think? I think think this is the first movie that you got to see interaction with women and men outside of just uh, sex and like breakup and like, I, I love you. Right. Like the, the beginning, middle, and end. You've seen some of the 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 the, the parts that you don't usually see, right? Them um going interior decorating the one of, you know the apartment, yeah. or you know them on the phone watching a movie together. You know, like that. That's things that people do. You know, but I think that at the time that was like a polarizing because you didn't see that because it didn't. It felt like it wasn't leading to them um, being together. It felt like they were genuinely just being friends. You know what I'm saying? Even like. I feel like that was like the first time you've seen a man and a woman have a conversation about who they were dating outside of themselves. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There was moments of friendship. Definitely. Like you said, when they're decorating decorating their apartment, when they're just hanging out, I think they like going to like Central Park or like you said, when they're on the phone, there's moments where it does feel solely like friendship. I just feel like it has this like underlying tone of romance well can i use myself and as an example can i do can i do that real fast <laughs> yeah, so yeah. there was a time where i was like um trying to be friends with this woman right mm-hmm. and you know i was doing things right like you know she needed help going to ikea or going to walmart oh, I or whatever Sorry. yes right <laughs> and you know i i was doing it just on pure friendship trying to be there for someone as a friend, platonically. You know what I'm right. saying? I'm not saying she had feelings for me, but maybe like a, she had, had a different perstective on it where she mm-hmm. might have thought that I was like trying to pursue her or doing these things for pursuing yeah, romantically. When in reality, I was just doing this just to be a friend. Um, right. Then I had a conversation with you and you said that a woman can easily get the wrong, not the wrong idea, but like a, a different idea. A different perspective or a different kind of intention than what you mean to offer. Exactly. Yeah. My intention was for you to be considerate of the fact that she may have feelings and may interpret these acts as like romantic acts. And I feel like that's when you're like, oh, I didn't know that. Like, I I didn't see it that way. And I think it was very much pure and like, but I just wanted to remind you of like, hmm, if I was in her place, if I did have feelings, these acts would be, you would be pursuing her. So I just wanted for you to be like considerate of her feelings, but I think that she did end up having feelings, so. Well, in that moment, right, using going back to like Harry, when Harry met Sally. Yeah. Do you think when when Harry and Sally were engaging in that way, do you think they romantically connected in any moment? Yeah, I mean, I think that they're, the thing was that they were scared that it would ruin, like them being, supposedly it's them having sex, but I think for at one point, it was also them being romantically involved would ruin the friendship. So I feel like that's where it gets a little tricky. Like, I I personally never felt like it was just a very, like, platonic friendship. I feel like there was always these, like, lingering feelings or what ifs, but that was just how I saw it. But mm. it's interesting that this is what set the, like, the mode or stage of other films portraying men and women in a friendship. Mm-hmm. I think it just started it. You know, mm. I think it was like the first time you've seen something like it. So it was very like a uh, bold. Yeah. I think it, it feeds this notion that men think about having sex with every woman that they meet. 
that the motivation behind a man's interaction with a woman is the prospect of potentially having sex with them. In the movie, Harry said, I'm going to quote him, men and women can't be friends because the sex part always gets in the way. Because no man can be friends with a woman that he finds attractive, he always wants to have sex with her. And then he later, like, later says men want to, quote unquote, nail even unattractive women too. And when Sally is just like, what if the woman doesn't want to have sex with you? He's just like, it doesn't matter because the sex thing is already out there. So the friendship is ultimately doomed. And that is the end of the story. Yeah. I, see, I think? disagree with that. But I think in 1989, that might have been valid, right? Um, I think we've grown a lot from then. Then I think it was a lot of pressure for us to, as men, to feel masculine. Like, you know, the, our masculine, uh, masculinity was connected to our our sex, right? Like mm. our sexual relationship. It's like, yo, the, the more women I've had sex with, the more of a man I am. When in reality, mm. that's not necessarily, tr- that's not true at all, actually. Because at the worst worst case scenario, we lead to friendship, and it should start. It should always lead to friendship. Sex, uh, all that other stuff should come secondary. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So there's some sort of foundation. I mean, we have this conversation a lot, which is probably another episode of like friendship being at the core of every relationship, mm-hmm. not just romantic relationships, but also like between family. Maybe that is also what strengthened the romance or the attraction between. Harry and Sally is that they were building a friendship throughout this entire time. I don't know if it was the most healthiest friendship though. Cause when he gave all the, the, when he remember at the end of the movie, he was like, yo, I like you because this, that, and the third. Yeah. All the reasons. Yeah. Yeah. The reasons were very superficial, you know, like in the grand <laughs> scheme of it all, it wasn't like, yo, I love you because of this, the things that you've done for yourself. It was like the way you've affected me. Yeah. The you way she like saying? crinkles her nose or things yeah, like that. Like, but like, yeah, you notice superficial things about her that's not necessarily noticing the things. So he ain't be like, because you're caring and what you've done for others. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I think it's those that really define us and those things that really define us in the grand scheme of life, right? Mm. So is that where the where the thought of being it being toxic comes from? Yes. Because mm. I don't think he was considering her in that moment. Yeah, he, it's easy for him to now be like, yo, I don't think that that dude is right for you because of it's, it's now he's thinking of himself in that position. Like I would have did right. this. Diff- I would have if, if it was me, I would have did this. And I think that's where the passive aggressiveness comes in. Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean when it's just like, I think there's always feelings. Right. If he was, I think it developed though. I think in 84 uh, when he met her, I don't think the, um, excuse me, not 84. When was the 77, right? You got the dates. Right, because I wrote this down. So in 77, <laughs> they met, right? Uh-huh. And the energy was there, right? But she realized she didn't really like him like that. Then she seen him again in 82. So I feel like every five years, she got reintroduced to him again. And she slowly grew to start to like him. And he started to like her. You know what I'm saying? But they, been able, they was able to mature as individuals. So when they linked back up, the energy was different, you know? They grew like into when they met love. on the plane, she still didn't like him. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah, I saw. I remember them at the airport. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely grow into love. Yeah, but they grew into loving themselves first, I believe. I think they understood what they wanted in partners. They started to slowly but grow, grow into what they wanted as individuals. Yes. What you see after that, like, double date with their friends. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So I'll ask you the question that the movie asks that's been debated for centuries. Can women and men be friends? Yes. Men, platonic women, friends platonic friends for sure 100 uh, percent. maybe i need to uh 
make a, a the, the movie when Steven met Erica or some shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then we do it. We do it right. You feel a platonic me? friendship portrayal. I mean, Facts. we'll talk about that in another episode. There, there are other portrayals. I mean, the one that I think of that I want to talk more about on a separate episode is Meredith and Karev from Grey's Anatomy. That's a platonic friendship. Word. That's a fact. I didn't even think about that, but that's a perfect example. After kind of watching, or I guess re-watching When Harry Met Sally, how do you feel about your friendships with women? I think it's amazing. You know, at the... Are you more appreciative? Of course. <laughs> I, I, I think I've grown as a man because of women. You know, I've, I was raised around women more than men, you know, with yeah. my grandmother and my mom and my aunts, you know, just my cousins and stuff like that. I just had to unlearn a lot of uh, things, you know, on how to be a man mm. and had to get the right things in me. And I, I think I got better as a man because of the conversations me and you had in the past, you know, how long have we known each other? 15 plus years? Since 2008? Right. Yeah. So a, a, good amount of, a good amount of time. So I think I've grown because of you, you know, and all the experiences that we've shared with each other in the the conversations that we've had throughout the years. Right. So, yeah, my relationships are, are A1, you know. <laughs> I mean, after this, I mean, this movie just, I, it used to be one of my favorite rom-coms. And I think when looking at it in the perspective of a friendship, I, it annoyed me this time. Mm. I think because it does set this perspective that there's underlying feelings. And I, I don't think that's true. I think, you know, with us, when we first met, well, I think with, with any man that I meet, like the first question I ask myself is, do I feel safe? And I feel like a lot of women have or have to ask themselves that. And then the second question sometimes I ask myself is, is there feelings? Like it's more like a taking a step back and asking yourself that. And I think with us, when we first started hanging out, that answered itself based on our vibes with one another and what we'd share with one another. It felt like a natural state and progression to be just friends. I didn't think much of it, to be honest. Mm -hmm. So I think that makes me probably even more annoyed at the movie because I'm like, it is possible for men and women to be friends. Right, right. I think that that's one of the things that you you uh, taught me about safe. I used to look at that word safe as a, a protector, right? Like making sure if we go outside and, you know, nothing happens to you when you're with me. Um, and yeah. then I realized it's like even being feeling safe in communication and being vulnerable. And I think that's one of the biggest things that you taught me. Like there's other ways to make someone feel safe. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think that we automatically think of physical safety, which is very important, but there is also emotional safety. And I think I appreciate that we have that in our friendship. And I think even that, you know, I keep that in mind in other friendships that I have with other men to make sure that I also feel emotionally safe with them as well because of our friendship. Word. Well, thank you for talking to me today, Stephen. I'll be right back with Julian Littman to talk more about When Harry Met Sally. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, Sneakers and streetwear are so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff. With real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says, Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. 
Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash! Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies' splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. So with me today is a ringer's very own Queen Julia Littman. Oh, thank you. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm great. I'm great. I I um I feel like a lot of the time people are like, yes, Queen. I'm like, I'm not into that, but that just felt really meaningful coming from you. So thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, so let's get into it. When Harry met Sally, I said this offline. I have a lot of feelings, more so because I've watched it recently, right? For mm. our conversation. And I'm sure you have a lot of feelings too. First of all, though, why is this your favorite rom-com? Oh, man. Why isn't it? It's perfect. First of all, <laughs> let's start with the runtime. Just a great length. It's like right at right hovering at 100 minutes. It's a really, really good length of which all movies should be. Um, the relationship between Billy Crystal and um, Meg Ryan, like... Um, we're, we'll talk about the male-female friendship, but like just the way they play off each other is so mm. fun. Like I always think about the split screen when they're both watching Casablanca. Um, and like, it's just fun watching them like talk on the phone. Um, I love the music of Harry Connick Jr. He did a great job. Uh, <laughs> as a native New Yorker, I feel like it really captured some really great New York moments. Um and yeah, I mean, I, I worship at the altar of the Nora Ephron dialogue. I, I don't, I don't even know what to say. It's funny. I don't even like worship Nora Ephron. I just like worship her work. And, um, I, I do think there's an important distinction there. And yeah, I mean, I just, I love it. Also, uh, discuss this on some other pods, but I'm like a terrible insomniac and I have like a few movies that I watch over and over when I can't sleep. And one of them is when Harry met Sally. So it's like, it's also like there, it's like the movie itself is like a security blanket for me when I can't sleep. Mm. That's Grey's Anatomy for me. I think we mentioned, we talked about this uh, very early on. I love Grey's. Like, Grey's is my, what I have in the background. So we've, you've lost count as to how many times you've watched it. Yeah. Okay. There's no, no way to know. Is it more the friendship between Harry and Sally or the romance between Harry and Sally that gets you? Wow. I've never thought about that in all of my watching of When Harry Met Sally. Um, I think... 
I think it's the friendship because while I really love when he shows up at the New Year's Eve party and like yells his mm-hmm. his famous speech, um, I think that the the way that it built and also um, his relationship with Bruno Kirby and her relationship with Carrie Fisher, with Jess and Marie respectively, are also like so entertaining and, and so fun to watch. And there's a couple of just like really great like young adult scenes like when they're playing Pictionary and um like when they go out to dinner like where all of the friendship dynamics are at play that I find like really entertaining and so I think the uh, it's the friendship that also then makes the ending feel so earned and so mm. yeah and I think like a lot of my a lot of my favorite scenes I mean the final speech is iconic but like the batting cage scene with Jess and um Harry is like so funny when Jess can't understand how they can be friends, even though she's attractive. Um, and when they're when Sally is telling Marie and our other friend that about the breakup, Marie just like goes straight to her Rolodex. Like it's just so funny. And um, <laughs> yeah, so I think it's I think it's a, a definitely a friendship movie. Yeah, I think it's interesting you mentioned like so. There's a Harry and Sally friendship, and then there's the like same gender friendships that mm-hmm. are happening simultaneously. And I feel like, but they're both clearly treated differently on purpose, I assume. But like, what do you think this movie says about the difference between friendships between men and women and same gender friendships? Yeah, I think that the movie tries to comment on the fact that there's like an assumed closeness between same gender friendships um, versus intergender or different gender um, friendships. But and I think the the point of that is like to defy it. Um, mm. And with, with the various older couples um, that show up throughout the movie, which is like the weak point of the movie, but still charming. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think the like the, I think the idea is like ultimately like about symbiosis and how like you just find a compliment both in friendship and in love, because I feel like that appears in a lot of the different relationships. But I think I mean, I, I think that if you were like boiling the movie down to like one central question, the like, is it true that men and women can never be friends? You know, just it's always hovering and they come back to it multiple times. Yeah. What do you think? It, can men, men and women, and women be women? friends? Yeah. Well, you know, working in sports media for a long time, I've always worked in a basically male dominated workplace and I are not dominated, but majority male. Um, and as a result, I have a lot of male friends. And so, yes, I think they can be friends. But I also think it's different. Like, I feel differently towards my male friends who I'm really close with than I do with a lot of my girlfriends. Mm. Like, I, I I do think they're different. And, like, the closeness is different. And I don't know. I'm also single, though. So then, like... So I feel like um, I also, like, just view other men, like, through, like, the lens of, like... Of just, like, of dating, like, all the time. So... What do you mean? What does that wait? Tell me more. I don't know. <laughs> what I just, does that mean? Not not that I like think about my male friends as like what I date them or whatever. Many, many of them are married. But I don't know. I think I just like view men so much as ter- in terms of like par- partners. Oh, okay. Wait, like friends, like work partners or like, like partners? Just in like general. Dating? Like I think about men as a concept. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of us think of men as a concept. <laughs> but I mean I think it goes to I think it plays off of like which is interesting because it's coming from a woman like that Harry you know in the car tells Sally like 
like men and women can't be friends. The sex, like the sex part is always there. (laughs) Even if they're quote unquote unattractive, he's just like, once it's always there and once it's there, it kind of ruins the possibility of it being a platonic friendship. Right. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true. Like I definitely have male friends that I'm just like, they're just really good friends. Again, I think it's different than my female friends, but like, I do think men and women can be friends for sure. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about how different it is, like the the your same gender friendships and the friendships that you have with men. You talked about you said mentioned closeness. Yeah, I think it's like a different it's like a different level of like of understanding. I don't know. I just think that women who are like navigating the world, there's like a certain level of shared experience based on like a lot of societies expectations for women, like in terms of their roles in at work, at home, what's expected of them, what's considered like transgressive. And I think that there's like a shared experience between people who have, you know, lived through those concepts, like lived through those constructs that like men don't have because there's just like things that are like different, differently expected of them. And so sometimes when I complain to my female friends, it just feels a lot more like commiseration versus um, Mm -hmm. like you know, like just like supporting each other or whatever. I think that's the difference, commiserating versus like just finding ways to be supportive. Yeah. I've I've noticed that with my uh, like men friends, cis men mm. friends, they're very much like, let's solve the problem. And I'm like, no, I'm not trying to solve the problem. I I'm know. just sharing I'm just like, with please. you. <laughs> I don't need solutions. <laughs> I do. I have found that. And I, I mean, and I also mentioned as far as like, feelings it's either there or it isn't like it's either a a question or a vibe or it isn't and it's just interesting that like I do think also that women and men can be friends I think you also just have to be honest as far as just like what your feelings are there yeah or not there I think one thing the movie does really well to kind of like boil this down or at least give like examples is how how the various friendships approach breakups like mm. when when Sally goes to Marie about her breakup and she's just like, I'm fine. I'm not upset. Like, I'm fine, but I'm also not ready to move on. Um, yeah. I thought that was, I thought that was, that's like, you know, always like a great, I mean, it's just a hilarious moment. Carrie Fisher's so funny. But then you compare that with like Sally being like so surprised when Harry tells her that he slept with someone he wasn't interested in. Um, and just sort of like their approach to how you move on from something that was like, that was very upsetting is really interesting. And I think it's all, that's like also plays out when they, and they're doing karaoke and they run into Helen and Ira and like the way that he like loses his temper. And so, you know, of course there's some like generalization in, in the movie, but, um, I think that's like a really good encapsulation of how men and women are different and like the, and like the way that like different people complement each other in different ways. Yeah. I just, so the, the when I watched the movie again recently, I was just annoyed because I'm like, you're not really friends. You like each other. Like this whole time, I'm like, <laughs> Harry, get it together. But I think that's also kind of, I guess, what gets romanticized in the movie of just like his little like passive aggressiveness of like telling him or telling Sally how he can't believe that he slept with, so like she slept with so-and-so and like, just like, I'm like, oh, just tell her. She should wear but, skirts. Yeah, like things like that where I'm just like, you're annoying. You know, you really like her. But I guess that is the point. (laughs) But when I'm looking at it more so like as far as like friendship goes, I'm just like, is this really, was this ever really a platonic friendship? 
Um, also, is it like friends to lovers or more like frenemies to lovers? Mm. Interesting. Well, what I think, think that I think that from the very, very beginning, he he doesn't think about friendship with women in the way that women do. Like, and that's why he's like, men and women can never be friends. So to him, mm. I think they were friends. And then it goes from friends to enemies to lovers. But I think for her, it's like mostly goes from like friends to fallow period to lovers. But <laughs> but I don't I don't know. It's funny. This is a, this is definitely a thread in Nora Ephron movies, by the way. Like I don't know how much you also like Sleepless in Seattle and You've Got Mail. But yes, yeah, You've Got Mail is wonderful, obviously. But like as a as a twenty um, first century progressive woman, how can you be excited that Kathleen Kelly ends up with the guy? who shut down her fucking family business. Like, it's so upsetting. And it's, it's very know, similar. It's, it's like, are we supposed I to know. cheer? <laughs> I love I that know. movie. <laughs> That's a whole other... I can't watch that movie. Now I feel like I'm a little too far gone when it comes to that. Because well, I'm like, I, that's I not say, cute. I know. Yeah. I wish I hadn't... I didn't really think about that until like for like... I said, maybe like the last like seven years. And now it's sort of ruined, ruined the movie for me. And I, you know, that's like horrible part of growing up is having your fantasy shattered <laughs> but <laughs> it's a good point also like I think there's a point as to why we feel how we feel when we watch this movie when we watched it then and we watch it now when you watched it do you remember the first time you watched it no I have no idea <laughs> it, was so, it was so long ago I don't know how old I was I must have been like in like a, a tween or something I have no idea but I've been watching it for so so long these these like themes or tropes of friendship, did they have an impact on like your views on friendship or romance when you were like the first couple of times you were watching it? Yeah, I think I think that like the question or like the statement men and women can never be friends, like yeah. felt like some kind of doctrine because it I just mm. watched it so young. <laughs> and I do think that that like for many women or just many people, this movie like popularized that idea. And it to be like not true. And so I I maybe that's giving the movie too much credit, but it definitely impacted me and I think a lot of other people. Especially because I think that line, well, he you see him say it, they're in the car, but then there's like a VO where you just see the car and you don't see them. And she was like, she's like, I think she says something, we'll just have to be friends. Or it's too bad we can't be mm-hmm. friends. You're the only person yeah. I knew here. And so like that concept really is like so foundational to understanding the movie and like the will they or won't they. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, it de- it definitely really impacted me. But I think in general, um, Nora Ephron movies and rom-coms have like definitely impacted my perspective of like relationships and friendships and and love and dating. They made you question life. And they make me question life. And <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think it gives an un- un- unrealistic expectations. And I, I do think that Harry and Sally um, being so close never really like exactly know how old they are. Like they tell you like how many years mm. later or whatever. But I think that kind of relationship is really hard to find. Like after, like if you don't have a structure around you to foster it, whether it's school or work or something in which like you see each other all the time. And that's like actually the most unrealistic thing about the movie to me is like, you really have to go out of your way to have that much connectivity if it's like not being forced on you in like your 20s and 30s. And yeah. that belies, and that suggests to me that, that it was always more than just friends. 
Yeah. I mean, they were decorating apartments. They were walking yeah. down Central Park. They were watching movies together. And now, again, when I look back, I'm like, this is the movie watching. I'm just like, really? Casab- like Casablanca I know, together. The original Netflix and chill. I, I've never done that with someone <laughs> who I did, who I personally didn't want to sleep with. I wasn't like, yeah, let's just hang out all the time. I only want to be friends with you, a f- straight man, yeah. as a straight woman. Yeah, so. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's why I get annoyed now. But I remember when I first watched it, it was more, it was like later down the line than when it was first released. And it had an impact on my view on love because at the time I was in the midst of an unrequited love where I was in love with a friend, a friend who wasn't really acting like just a friend though. But the movie had me questioning love life (laughs) where I was just like, either we're just friends or lovers. Friends can turn into lovers. Let's be lovers already. But I do feel like there's just so much little like subs and shots between both of them. And they kind of like, they they like each other, but then they get like so annoyed at each other, probably because they love each other. Um, I'm over here getting annoyed again. Um, so well, I guess it's more so about, of like this. One thing about that, I feel like with men and women in a, a male-female friendship, at least in my, exp- in my experience, it's actually easier to have conflict than I find with some of my female friends. Like I find it easier to fight or, or like be like, you're annoying me or like, this is my problem with you with the men that I'm friends with versus the women. I feel like that's kind of cliche. And I don't think it's like necessarily just because of like what you might hear a man say, but I just think that the way that I find you can like navigate people's feelings or navigate my male friends feelings is more direct than with a lot of my female friends. Yeah. You're like, you don't have feelings. So I'm going to tell you what it is here and there. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) exactly, exactly. Uh, I think, well, I'm not sure if it's a Nora Ephron thing, but do you think this movie specifically set a trend when it came to friendships between men and women within pop culture? That's a good question. Um, uh, I haven't, I have to like look back on that, but I, yeah, I do think there's like, this is sort of, um, a watershed moment in the genre. And so, so much has been like derived from when Harry met Sally, which also owes a debt to Annie Hall and has a similar type of, um, will they or won't they between Diane Keaton and Woody Allen. Mm. But I do think that this is, yeah, it's like a, it's like a hugely influential movie. Um, and I think I can't remember the first time I watched it, but like, I, you know, knowing that they end up together, it's just like so much, it's almost like a travelogue movie of like how they got there versus a will they or won't they with like watching Ross and Rachel in real time or um, Mm. something else, you know? But I do think that like in some ways, I don't think when Harry Met Sally started this, but it definitely like established the expectation like ultimately, for me at least, that ultimately the couple ends up together, even if they think they're just friends. Yeah. I heard that there was uh, talk of them not ending up together. Oh, really? Yeah. I was talking to my friend that's obsessed with this movie. And she's like, I couldn't take it if they weren't going to be together. And I'm just like, yeah, I mean, I guess it's all that builds up. I would be, I'm already annoyed. So I like, I would be so much more annoyed (laughs) if they didn't end up together. Because again, like there's many classic moments across the movie, but of course it's this declaration of love or of, you know, Sally that Harry makes at the end at this New Year's Eve party. Um, that kind of like seals, like puts the bow on the movie. Absolutely. So I don't, how would you feel if they didn't end up together? 
I just can't even imagine it. It's like it's like a fact of life <laughs> what Harry and Sally do. I mean, it's a that clip is pinned on my Instagram profile. I spent this past um, New Year's Eve with a really good friend and her husband watching the movie because of, of the way it builds to the um, the speech. Like I don't know. It's just like it's like a like I said. It's like a fact. This movie is like a fact of life. Like everything in it. It's like immutable. Can't imagine a different outcome. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no one's touching this movie. It is what it is. Is there, are there other examples uh, within like movie and film of platonic men and women friendships that you are obsessed with? That's a great question. I'm trying to think of some examples. Um, the friendships. I feel like there's got to be some. But I can't think of any off the top of my head. <laughs> what about you? I can, well, my, the first one I've thought of was, of course, uh, Meredith and Karev of Grey's Anatomy. Oh yeah, that's a like, great one. I think that, there's only one little joke that Karev makes in the very beginning of like trying to like hook up with her. And she's like, no, yeah, that's a great I got one. a man. And even if I didn't got a man, gross. Um, and I feel like then, you know, they've gotten closer and closer throughout this the series. But when it comes to men and women platonic friendships, I think that's the first and main one I think of. Also, because I'm obsessed with Grace. But yeah. Yeah. But also to that, but to that point, one thing about Grace that it doesn't get enough credit for is its character development, which is, which is like really impressive. And the fact that the show has been on for so long kind of, you know, just like complicates that because they have to do the show. They have to um, keep things moving along. But I've always felt that the women of Grey's Anatomy and particularly Meredith was allowed to like evolve in a way that is so rare on TV. Like the characters really grew up, especially Meredith and um, Bailey who were like on the show for a really long time. But the way that Meredith evolved from being like this sort of, you know, the, the ingenue to being everyone's like role model and like leading the hospital is, is like truly <laughs> impressive. Um, yeah. And Grace was really good at threading the needle on like on friendship and in a way that very few other shows have done. And I think that, that's a really good example. Yeah. I mean, I call Steven my person. I mean, he's <laughs> he hated it at first, and now he also says it, although he might not want to admit it. But when you say also, like, character development, I think of that also with Karev, like, within yeah. the show. Like, his character development Definitely. is pretty strong. Is there other... I'm trying to think of others that are as strong as that? Because, like, I think of, like, 30 Rock, or I think of Parks and Rec, but it's not, like, as a strong of a, of a friendship, or the friendship doesn't, mm-hmm. like gets as much spotlight as like, you know, a Kareb and Meredith friendship. This is definitely not a friendship, but I think another like really interesting um, non-romantic, non-sexual male-female relationship is Don and Peggy on Mad Men. Tell me more. I think that there's like, that's a, a codependent relationship. At least it's for, at least for Don it is. And that's a really interesting thing to, to see that see them both navigate. I mean, the like throwing the money at her. Um, when her, when she's, and he's like, go to here. So that's the money's for. (laughs) And that's, that, I mean, that's, you know, an an epic episode of the suitcase. Um, but I think that type of relationship is really interesting. And one of the things that makes that show so classic is the way that the, the women function, like were functioned as like a commentary on the, the time period and who they were as characters. But that's like, that's another really important one. I think, yeah, I'm going to think about this more, but I can't think of there. It's just not that not that common of a, of a setup. And even on a show like, I don't know, like Dawson's Creek, all the friendships, <laughs> they, they test, they test them against, against like sexual energy at some point. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I know, I mean, the reason we kind of wanted to explore this is because we had a listener, Ellie asked, like, can 
we explore platonic male and female friendships because there aren't a lot in pop culture. And I had to take a step back and I'm like, yeah, there, there isn't. Like, there's always some like romance or like, you know, like sexual mm-hmm. type of like underlying theme to it. And I'm like, wow, I wonder, do people, you know what? like, do we need to see more of this? Did you ever watch Friends from College on Netflix? Yes. That, I love that show. So underrated. That yes. has some really good male-female friendships. It, it, like, You're because right. Because it's, fr- it's a friend group. Like, the Nat Faxon characters, friends with a lot of them. Like, that. that's one. And then, I was also going to say, I was just thinking, like, mental inventory. In a weird way, 90210 had it as well. Um, because, like, for example, um, well, Kelly and, Kelly and David were step-siblings at one point, but then they, like, remained friends. Cause, and that was, like, kind of interesting. Um, and then... Steve was friends with like a lot of the different with like Donna and that and like Donna and Brandon. Obviously, there was a lot of love triangles in that show, and I'm yeah. extremely staunchly team Brandon for always and forever. <laughs> um, but I think because it was like predicated on a group, it was easier for them to explore some platonic relationships. But I think there's very few where it's like the central question of the show, and if it is, or or the movie, and if it is it almost always devolves into like, will they or won't they? Yeah. I mean, that's all, that also makes me think of like living single where mm. they all, there also were friendships between men and women that were not romantic. But I think the common thread in all these shows is like, it's all like within friend groups. Like you said, there isn't like the one male and female friendship that stands out, but it's because they're in a friend group that they kind of do get close yeah. to one another. That's another reason why Karev and Meredith stands out is because in the periods the period after Derek died, she became like the central male figure that that was like reliably in her life or he became the central male figure reliably in her life. And that was a smart part of the show. I mean, it was really interesting. Yeah. I'm not, I'm turned, not over his send off. It was so fucked up. I, I, and we could talk about Grey's Anatomy, but Derek, I feel like, you know how they have these like comparisons of who's the villain, like mm-hmm. in Devil Wears Prada. If it, I feel like he's the villain. In Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> no, not because he died, but he, he was such a jerk uh, when you look back at it. But again, like, I think it's also, I think that whole thing that happens on the internet of like, who's really the villain in a show or a movie is hilarious. Because the first thing I thought of is Derek is actually the villain in I Grey's Anatomy. I Jim on The Office, which I think is like a com- fairly common opinion now, but I'm always like, oh yeah, he's, he's, he's the real villain of this show. <laughs> All right, that's a whole other episode of I know of Frenemies, which we may do. So you're more than welcome <laughs> to share your thoughts, especially on Dwight and Jim. Um, but I appreciate you sharing your love with us on When Harry Met Sally. Thank you for having me. And thank you to Stephen and all of you for listening, especially Ellie, who suggested this topic. If you have any thoughts on When Harry Met Sally, favorite on-screen platonic friendships, or other suggestions, email us at whataboutyourfriendspod at gmail.com. Talk to you next week. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, 
file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.